morning. We're going to start off with a word of prayer. Let's all stand. Brother Josh is going to lead us in prayer. Lord God, thank you for letting us be here this morning. We want to thank you for the good time that we've had this morning already. We pray that you please meet with us today. Help our uh, hearts get focused on you and not of the things that are going on outside. Be with the choir and uh, Brother Scotty as he stands to preach, Lord. Help him uh, bring back to remembrance what he studied. I know that's hard to remember sometimes when you get up here, you get, I guess, nervous. Be with everyone uh, involved in the service today and touch hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Page 176. There was a time of earth when it was a kid and old man was standing for sins and forgiven. My name was at the top and many things you know I went into the keeper and said Standing page number eight.
page 113.
that last. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. As thy poor soul let the sinners be. Take up the offer, Brother Jeff. Lead us in prayer. see everybody out this morning. Thank all of our visitors for coming out. Glad to have y'all and uh, hope you get a blessing out of being here this morning. Uh, got a few announcements I need to make. I think the choir done real good this job this morning. Maybe because I turned my hearing aids up a little bit more, but <laughs> may, maybe that's what it is, but I really enjoyed the choir this morning. So anyhow, uh, tonight after the service, we have a graduation celebration for Sarah Hayfley, Bella Dinsmore, and Brady May. That's immediately after service tonight, so y'all stay around and celebrate that with us. Uh, appreciate the accomplishment these young kids have made and uh, looking forward to what God's got for them in the future. So uh, then Wednesday night, we're going to have an end of the school bash for Crusaders for Christ. So no Wednesday night service. We're just going to let the parents be with their kids in, the, in that. So uh, 
no Wednesday night service this coming Wednesday night. And next Sunday morning, immediately after church, we're going to have adult choir practice for a few minutes. And uh, just remember that. Brother Josh and Sister Ashley are going to sing for us this morning. So I've been joking around with him a little bit this morning. So anyhow, good to have him. We're going to be in the both services today. So 
Y'all pray for him as he preaches for us. He can introduce his family to him. I got some water there if you need it Thanks, too. Sir. I don't know if you need more than a thimble or not. Well, we might here in just a second. So. <laughs> <laughs> amen, amen. Like I said, it is uh, good to be here with y'all this morning. I sincerely appreciate the uh, the invitation uh, to be a part of your service this morning, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share the Word of God. Amen. Uh, it's uh, and I like to say it's uh, it's good to be saved, Amen. Uh, I was uh, feeling a little bit something on that on that singing, this congregational singing, uh, uh, that singing. I love the Lord down deep in my heart, Amen. I was really glad, Brother Terry. You sung that chorus and then you turned around and you sang uh, another verse. I was like, just keep on singing, Amen. It was helping me uh, if it wasn't helping nobody else. And I was just sitting there thinking that uh, we have every reason in this world to love Him, Amen. I'm talking about, I mean, not, I mean, it's multiple attributes and just attribute after attribute after attribute. And, and just, I'm talking about just, you could just make a list of it over and over again. Amen. Uh, but I can't think of one single thing that I could come to my mind that why he'd love us. I mean, you understand? Uh, I mean, but I love the Lord today down deep in my heart and I hope you do too. Amen. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm prone to, teach, to preach two or three messages before I even get to my main message. Uh, so we'll try not to do that today. Amen. But it is good to be here. Uh, just uh, if you got your Bible, turn with me. Book of uh, Joshua, book of Joshua, chapter number four. While y'all are turning there, I'll just introduce myself. Uh, I am Brother Scotty Baker, and uh, I'm from Wahoo Baptist Church, and I've uh, been going over there for a number of years now. And uh, I teach the uh, the young married couple, young married couple over there, and uh, have a good time with them. And they're probably glad I'm not there this morning. Amen. Uh, but uh, it, it is, I, I miss being over there, but it's good to be here. Uh, work uh, in the jail, been heading up the jail ministry over there at Lump County uh, for about 15 years. Well, been a part of about 15 years, been over about 10 years, I guess. Uh, and so uh, if, if I look at y'all like a bunch of inmates today, don't, don't, please don't hold that against me. Uh, and so uh, I, had, I was preaching one day and this man said, we're not a bunch of inmates, so don't preach to us like that. So I told him, I, I didn't, kind of slipped out before I got a hold of it. I said, well, then don't look at me like a bunch of inmates, hey, amen. Uh, and we'll be all right. Uh, but uh, it is a joy and it is a blessing to be here. And again, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, but just want to be a help to you this morning. I uh, want to be a blessing to you this morning and uh, be an encouragement to you. And uh, especially the day and age that we live in. And as I was getting prepared and thinking about it and just praying about it and uh, meditating on what God would have for us. I'm, I was thinking a little bit about, uh, well, I meant, you know, Brother John, the years that he spent here, known Brother John for a long time. And and I was like, man, these, these folks, they've heard everything, amen? I mean, you know, Brother, Brother John was a great Bible uh, preacher. Uh, so it's like, I'm not going to get up there and uh, astound them. They'll know that in about the first five minutes. I'm not going to astound anybody. Uh, but uh, that's okay, because we're not uh, trying to one-up anybody. We're not trying to be anybody else. We're just trying to preach the Word of God. Uh, and if God can speak to your heart this morning, it'll be better than me or anybody else, amen, uh, that says something to you, Amen. Uh, but it has been a bit good while since I've been here. Uh, I remember some years back uh, that we went through Faith Bible Institute back there, and we'd come on those on those weeknights and go through that, and that was a blessing to me. Uh, it took a few years to get through that, but uh, it was. I still pull out those books even yet today. I'll go back and pull those out, and uh, as we was going through those classes, and I, I remember writing down just little nuggets, and God still uses those today, even though it was many years ago. And that's how the Lord will do us. Things that we heard many years ago, that God will refresh our heart and refresh our mind to the things of God. And we'll be like, hey, I forgot about that. And it's still good. Amen. Uh, but so I enjoyed that time together even back then. And I'm joined this morning now. And so we'll not, uh, we'll not just uh, waste time and we'll get into the message. Uh, the Bible says in Joshua chapter number 4, 
the book of Joshua, chapter number 4. And we're going to be reading, starting in verse number 19. Joshua 4, 19. The Bible says, And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, the Lord, passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that it might fear, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Let's pray. But dear gracious and heavenly Father, the Lord, I thank you for the good day God you've given us. Lord, I thank you, dear God, for that I'm saved, God, and on my way to heaven, Lord. And I just pray, God, today that you'd please bless us with your presence. Lord, I pray, God, you'd speak to us, help us. God, draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray for this church, God, that you'd speak to hearts, God. I pray, God, that you'd, uh, Lord, just draw us all that much closer to you, God, and further away from our own selves. Lord, help us to exalt you in our lives, God, in our walk. And, Lord, we thank you again for your wonderful grace. Lord, we thank you again, Father in heaven, for your wonderful mercies. And, Lord, I know I need you this morning, and I pray you'd touch us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And just by way of introduction and just by way of uh, just kind of setting the, the, the scene right here, uh, Joshua, y'all know the story of Joshua and how that uh, he was the second in command there with Moses and how that new gen- that generation uh, that come out of Egypt, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, they wandered around, they wandered around, and God had given them that opportunity to come into that promised land I'm talking about 40 years prior, but because of their unbelief, God allowed them to walk around in that wilderness for 40 years. And why is that? Because that generation, that generation that are in their unbelief in the Lord Jesus Christ, it amazes me, though, how that they had their unbelief when they just seen uh, the ten uh, plagues that, that, that God had brought down upon the nation of Egypt and what God done with His mighty hand. It's amazing to me. They say, God, you done that, but how in the world are you going to do this? But aren't we guilty of that as well? God's done great things in our life, and the next thing that comes up in our life, we start guessing, second guessing, we start scratching our head, uh, and we start wondering, man, is God still there? I'm thinking, man, He just called fire down from heaven. I mean, I mean, the flies and the locusts and the frogs and all these things, man, they've watched that, and they've seen God do those miraculous things. Hey, not one, not two, but I'm talking multiple times, uh, and then they sit there and they question God. Like, I don't know if He can do it. Has anybody ever been like that in their life? You know what I'm saying? I mean, y'all watch God. Y'all watch God do this and watch God meet that need. You watch God answer that prayer. And I'm talking about time and time again. And then something comes up in your life and you're like, well, I don't know if God can. And God's like, what do you mean? I don't know. You know I mean, you just watch me do all these things. And so that generation of, un, uh, of unbelief, they wandered around the wilderness for 30, I'm sorry, for 40 years. And we see right here as we open up in the book of Joshua. I like chapter number 3, we'll get into chapter number 4. But chapter number 3, uh, we see that this is in this, with Joshua, there's a new chapter and it's a new generation. All those other people in that generation prior had died off except for Joshua and for Caleb. 
But now there's a new uh, wrath. There's a new day and time in the life of Joshua. They were no longer following these members around in the wilderness. But Joshua said, hey, the Lord said to Joshua, I've got Canaan land. I've got that promised land set right here before you. Uh, this old generation has died off. This new generation is at hand. And y'all going to have to do some things for yourself. It was a new chapter in Joshua's life. It was a new chapter in, Israel, in the nation of Israel's life. It was a new bookmark in history in the life of the tribe of Judah, of, the, of Reuben, of all, these nation, of all these people of the nation of Israel. And we see right here that they had standing before them the Jordan River. Y'all know the story, I'm sure, but right there before them they had that Jordan River. They encamped in chapter number 3 right there before the Jordan River. They're sitting there looking at that Jordan River. And they was looking at that and, and they were seeing that. I believe God paused them right there just for a second. So that's just by way of introduction. just want to set that scene up. But I want to really take that verse, number 21. Verse 21, chapter number 4. And it says, He spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children of Israel, when the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? What mean these stones? As they was passing over, I'm going to try to stay behind this. I kind of talk with my hands a lot of times, and I kind of uh, walk a lot of times. And I caught myself the other day. I was on the phone at work, and I was talking with my hands on the phone. I'm talking about, I'm doing this, you know, on the phone. I'm thinking, they can't see me. You understand what I'm saying? They're on the other line. But I'm sure you're talking with my hands, so y'all please uh, uh, overlook that if you would this morning. And so we see right here in our reading, and I'm going to read this right here, the beginning of chapter number 4 as well, just to kind of set the scene as well, so we can get a little bit of a basis to where we're going. And it says, at verse number 1 in chapter 4, it said, It came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, that ye carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he prepared of the, of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that ye, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? What mean ye buy these stones? So we see that the Jordan's right there. And as you're crossing over Jordan, as everybody got over there, he told 12 men, he picked out specific men uh, for these 12 stones, these 12 tribes, and said, every man pick up that stone. And it says, what mean ye these stones? I was thinking about these stones a little bit. And that stone speaks of strength. That stone speaks of stability. That, so, that, that stone speaks of some soundness, um, some steadfastness. Pick you up a stone and sit it up over the place I tell you. And so we see right here, what does it say uh, in that verse number 6? It says uh, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean you these stones? We see an access for opportunity. We see right here that these questions are opened up for a conversation. I don't know if anybody in here, is there kids ever asking questions? Y'all laughing at that. That's, uh, I believe that's an amen. <laughs> amen. 
asking questions. And so we got these stones right here uh, that they're set up. And I can see this dad and his son as they're coming by through there. And these stones are stacked up. And he's like, hey, those look a little bit out of place. I mean, all the rest of these stones are on the ground. All the rest of these stones are, are right here on the creek bank or on the river bank. But these stones right here are stacked up high. Hey, matter of fact, there's one, two, three, twelve of these stones. Hey, dad, what mean these stones? Again, these kids, they ask questions. You know, it's a good thing for your kids to ask questions. It really is. But the thing about it is, the less they ask, the more opinions they form on their own. You know that? The less they ask, the more opinions they, they, they form on their own. They just start assuming things in their mind. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm pretty sure this is the way this is. Why, why is it? Because I just thought that. Well, did you ask anybody? Well, no. Then, then why do you know? Well, I just thought that. Has anybody ever thought something that wasn't right? Has anybody ever been mistaken in the fact that, hey, I, you just made an assumption. Like, I bet that's the way it is. Well, who'd you ask? Who told you that? Well, nobody. Then why'd you think that? But my kids, and some, one more than the other, I'm not going to, Try not to embarrass them right off the bat this morning, but they uh, they have they, they they always dad. We got one of them that's boy. She asks a question and it's just like okay. And you ever notice, you know, you don't want to turn them off, you know, you, but, but they ask these questions. Just, I'm talking about one after the other. And, you know, they're asking you, they're looking at mom and dad, and they're thinking that, hey, they got to know. But they ask crazy questions like, hey, why do birds fly? And you're like, what the world? <laughs> okay. Um, because they got wings. But the thing about it is it doesn't stop there, does it? It just leads into more questions. And then they'll say something like, well, ostriches have wings and they don't fly. And then you say something like, well, I'll put it out. Okay, well, well, they're a big bird. They can't fly. What about penguins? Penguins got wings and they can't fly. And then, you know, you kind of trump everything by putting an end to those questions. You're like, well, we'll ask God when we get to heaven. Amen. I don't know. But, you know, you're forced. You don't just cut them off the beginning of it and just, just say, hey, you know, well, never mind or whatever. Uh, but I'm talking about we, we have something to just ask and ask and ask and ask. And, and we'll sit there and we'll watch a TV show or a movie or something like that. And, and next thing you know, it's like they ask so many questions out of the time. And, I, and it's like they ask, ask them in such a way they think you wrote the script. I've been watching this for five minutes just like you have. Me and you are on the same page. We know just as much as each other. Now, I might just be speaking out of turn this morning, but I don't know if y'all are like that, if y'all's kids are like that. Maybe y'all's kids know all the answers and they don't ask anything. You know, you got to poke them with a stick, make sure they're alive. Hey, but not my kids. But we see right here that these stones were placed for a memorial. These stones were placed to interject. These stones were placed to start a conversation with that next generation. They wouldn't just happenstance right there. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, so we'll, let's look at this just a little bit right here. And so how did they get there? Well, one thing, how did, why did they get there? Well, I, I was thinking about in that chapter number three, we see an appearing obstacle, that Jordan River, that appearing obstacle as the nation of Israel, they come marching through there. This other generation has died off. That other generation, they seen some miracles. That other generation, hey, they didn't really believe God. That other generation, that, that new generation, that Joshua generation, what they're doing is they're trying to live off what used to be, hey, but that wasn't meant for them. They've got a new time frame. They've got a new direction that God's given them. And so God's wanting to show them some things personally. But you still had the Jordan River right in front of you. Now this right here, this time that happened, Brother Gene, was the time of, uh, of harvest. They said the Jordan was running out of its banks. 
who's running out of his bank. So they looked there and they stepped up there and, you know, I'm sure it's kind of made its way through the camp that we're going to have to cross over. The, the land that God's given us is on the other side of that river right there and we're going to have to cross over and all of a sudden we see this big river in front of us. I know some of you say, well, I've been to Israel and that, that Jordan River's only about that wide. Well, do we know how big it was back in Joshua's day? No, I've seen pictures of the Jordan River today. It's like this, I could jump over that. Well, if God told you to do something else, you jump over it and you ain't going to succeed, amen? It's got to be in God's way, God's direction, and God's time, amen? And so they see this a big river in front of them, and so no doubt they're scratching their heads saying, Joshua wants us to do what? And then they kept there three days. We see the Jordan was impassable, the Jordan was implausible. Has anybody ever had anything in their life that just looked impossible? I'm saying there's not a way on earth I'm going to be able to do that. There's not a way in there. I mean, what about this right here? There's a need in your life that you don't see how it's going to get met. There's a need in your life. You say you scratch your head and you're looking around, man. You, uh, you look at your bank account or you look at this situation. You look at that sickness or you look at those things and you're looking at it. And on paper, it looks impossible, amen. And on paper, it looks impassable. And on paper, man, it just, man, I've tried everything that I know to do. I've tried, I put all my, my best foot forward. I had that positive can-do attitude. Uh, and it's just not getting done. It looks impassable. Has anybody ever been there? But I thought about this right here. What about the assurance of the overcoming? You didn't got to turn there. But God done told Joshua in chapter 1, verse number 9. He said, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Wheresoever thou goest. See, they, they didn't, Joshua doesn't have that word. Joshua doesn't look at all that right there, but he doesn't have that word from God, and he doesn't got assurance from God that, hey, I might not can see how I'm going to do this, but God doesn't say I can do this, and God doesn't say he's going to do this, so I might as well just sit back and watch God do what God does. The assurance of the overcoming, the assurance of this new generation we see right here. Not only that, I was thinking even in chapter 2. How Rahab, when they come there in chapter number 2, and, and what they did is those two spies come out there and they, and they met Rahab. And Rahab says, God's done delivered y'all the city. I'm talking about word had done beat those spies there to Jericho saying, y'all have already won, amen. And then that's the way we are as children of God. We've already won this thing, you understand. Uh, we need to be fighting and living from an area of victory from the forefront, uh, not from defeat. You understand? We look around at the world. Uh, we look around at everybody else and say, man, why have they got this? Why are they doing that? Hey, but amen, this is the best they got here in this world. Now how discouraging is that to know with all the sin, sorrow, suffering, and sicknesses that we've got in this world, this is the best that some people's going to get it. But if we can get I'm, I'm a person about perspective. The more you, you, you're around me, the more you're going to realize it's all about the way we see things. You can say, hey man, it might not be good right here. But I still got the blessings of God right here and I got the blessings of God over there, Amen. And so I believe that's how Joshua was doing. He said, hey, it's good right here. I've seen God meet needs back there. I've seen God do miraculous things right there. Uh, but then he done told me there's going to do just what he did with me back here. He's going to do the same thing over there. What mean these stones? What mean these stones? We see these stones that were set right through there and we know that as this man was talking to his son trying to tell him about these stones, uh, these stones talked about the character of God. Uh, these stones talked about the consistency of God. Uh, these stones were a memorial of the goodness of God. Amen. There were some things put there uh, to show that next generation that God is still God. Amen. 
See, these stones, verses 5 and verses number 8, these stones were set, they were intentional. They didn't just fall into place, Brother Ron. They didn't just stack themselves up. They had to be put there in the right way, in the right place. Verse number 8 said, The children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up the twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake uh, unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. See, these stones were placed there in a spot that were intentional. This place where they placed them was Gilgal. This uh, Gilgal uh, and this town where they stayed at when they crossed over Jordan. Uh, Gilgal actually means where the reproach is rolled away. You say, what was that? Are we talking about reproach? Well, I believe they had a stigma about them that they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. They come out of Egypt, but for 40 years they wandered around in that wilderness. So what do you think those other nations around there? Well, God brought you out of that, but now you're wandering around like a chicken with your head cut off in there. But now they're not, they're not wandering around. This new generation's not wandering around no more. God's done brought them over and he placed it. And they named that town Gilgal, which means the reproach is rolled away. He's saying, Joshua, when that new generation crosses over, uh, that reproach, that stigma uh, that, that you've got in the, in the eyes of the rest of these nations, we're going to take that off of you because now you're walking in God's promised land. You're no longer wandering right now. You're working in God's land. That reproach has been rolled away from you. How was these stones set up? These stones, I believe, they were set up by exercising faith. See, the ark, whatever, the priest, they took that ark, and it was, I forgot the, 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 uh, the length of it, but it was a good length uh, that those priests had to take that ark upon them and walk out there and set their foot in the uh, Jordan River. And when that happened, those waters parted. Uh, it said the water stood up in a heap like that. And so they watched those priests go way out there, and they stood back and watched. It was by faith. How would you like to be one of them priests? Man, I've got the ark of God on my shoulders. And Joshua's telling me to step off in this river. And this is harvest time. This is the rainy season right here that they were having. So this Jordan, again, it wasn't a little trickle. I'm talking about, I, 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 I know some people in here has done some fishing. And some of them rivers can get out of the banks. I don't know about you, when a river gets out of a bank, I don't really like, I, I like to fish. So just, I don't know why I run that, but I do. And so, but I've been up there and, and that, that water's just running through there and running through there. It's not the time to me to go fishing whenever I can look at that. And if I slip and fall in, you'll never see me again. So these priests, they had to walk up through there by faith and say, well, Joshua, hey, the man of God got a word from God. And he said, I'm going to have to step out in this Jordan. I've got the presence of God. That's what that ark stood for. That's what that ark represented was the presence and the power of God with the nation. And so he said, I've got this on my, on my shoulder. It's not time to fall right now. So I'm going to trust the man of God. And I'm going to step off into this river right here. And I believe it, it took by faith. I mean, they didn't stand there and be like, I don't think they had to get goaded. But go on. I, I, I like to talk about my kids sometimes. You ever tell your kid to do something other and they just kind of hem-haw around? You got to tell them about 57 times. Go on, go on, go on. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Joshua had to do that to those priests. I think those priests and said, hey, well, we've got the presence and we've got the power of God that we're carrying on us. Hey, if I go down in the river, God's going too. Amen. And we know that's not going to happen. So they stepped off in there. Boom. I believe that first step they started seeing something. Why that first step they started seeing something? Because that was a step of faith. If you're going to stack some stones in your life, you're going to have to exercise faith. You're going to have to exercise faith. Here's a stone God's given me. I didn't know how I was going to do that. Boom. There's a stone in my life. 
Some of you probably got some stones in your life you've picked up. Say, man, I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I was just going to trust God. And then I trust God, and when I trusted God, I stepped out in there, the waters parted, and I seen this big old stone right there, and God told me to pick it up. I don't know why He told me to pick it up, but that meant something to me, and I'm just going to sit it down right there, and I'm going to keep walking for God. It was intentional. It was by faith. We even talked about that a little bit right here and all of that, but it was specific. They followed the right way. There were specifics. Twelve men, twelve stones. Everybody, Brother Gene, didn't get to pick up a stone. Not everybody got to pick up. So there's some specifics uh, that when you follow the Lord. It ain't just about your way. You're going to follow God. You understand? I know we live in a day and an age hey, that everybody just wants to do the things that they want to do the way they want to do them. Hey, but God's book gives us a list. God's book gives us a way Hey, that we need to follow Him and we need to serve Him. And it's right here. I don't know if most men are like me, but when you put stuff together on Christmas, instructions. I don't need no crazy instructions. I'm a grown man. I'll figure this stuff out. Instructions. Watch how daddy does it. And so when you put together the bicycle and you turn, and the bicycle's got one wheel on it and the other wheel's extra wheel and the chain's on the handlebars and the handlebars on the seat. You're like, where's them instructions? I know that sounds crazy, but this, that's the way people try to run their life. You understand? My life? I don't need God for my life. I don't need God's direction for my... Don't you understand? I've, I'm, I, I, I'm educated. I'm smart. I'm capable. I can do all these things. I've, done, I've made it this far. I don't, need no, I don't need no Bible in my life telling me what I can and cannot do. But then all of a sudden, your life gets looking like that crazy-looking bicycle. You can't ride a bicycle like that. A bicycle like that won't get you down the road. You might walk a little bit, you're going to get tired, but sure it would be nice if you had a working bicycle to get you further down the road. So what do we need to do? We say, hey, you know, I've, I messed this thing up. I need to get directions. Ask the Word of God. It's in directions for my life and for your life. We don't need to take it for granted, Brother Gene, but we do sometimes. Even us, you understand? I know you've been in it a long time, and it's good to see some familiar faces here and some friendly faces here this morning. But even us, we can get off track. We can get off kilter. And we can say, hey, man, hey, I'm, I'm a member of this church, and I've been here for so long. And, man, I've, I've read my Bible through 20 times. I know everything I need to know. But, hey, we're still flesh, and we can get off kilter. Hey, when we get our mind in it, and we get our will in it, and we get our desires in it, and next thing you know, hey, we've wrecked everything we've ever done, everything God's tried to do and bless in our life. I said it's intentional. They had to have faith. They had to have the right following. They had to follow the right directions. Hey, you know, also they had to have their eyes fixed on the right person. They had to look at the priest. They had to look at him. They said, hey, man, that's the power and the presence of God. We got to sit here and keep our eyes on him because if we got our eyes off, he'd be down the river. I'm trying to hurry. Talking about that faith. Got to have faith to walk out in those deep waters. Those waters that were parted. I heard somebody say one time, even a weak faith can trust a strong Savior. You got to have a lot of faith to serve God. You got to have a lot of faith to get saved, amen? Just a little bit. A weak faith can trust a strong Savior. But hey, right here, we want to ratchet it up a little bit. Hey, Spurgeon said, a little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things for God. Little faith can't. You're not going to do great things for God, little faith. I always think when I think of faith, I think of Abraham because I believe he's like the father of faith and he's our example so many times. Uh, God didn't ask Abraham to sacrifice Isaac what, on day one. 
Hey, Abraham, Abram, come out of the land with your fathers of Chaldees. Come out of all that. Oh, and I'm going to bless you with the son tomorrow, and I want you to kill him the next day. Is that what he did? No, but it was a journey, was it not? And we see, we look at the life of Abraham, how by faith, day after day, month after month, year after year, that God increased that faith in his life. I always like to kind of look at it like stairs. Nobody in here jumps to the top, do they? No, you just take one stair at a time. One stair at a time. Pretty soon you're at the top. That's the way it works with our faith, man. We, st we step out on one faith. Man, I didn't know God. Step on that step. Lord, you brought me this far. What do you do? Just keep stepping. God, you didn't fail me on that other step. You didn't fail me on step three. I don't think you're going to fail me on step ten. I'll just keep walking with God. Amen? Amen. These specifics, these obedience, to have the ark before them. Notice they didn't build a bridge to get across. They didn't build a boat to get across. They didn't jump across. Uh, but exactly, they did exactly what God said. Not only that, but I believe these stones today were influential. Were influential. Verse number 6, we said that. It said, what mean ye these stones? That old generation was in bondage, and this new generation was to pass over. What mean ye these stones? Mom and Dad, stacking stones in your life, I hope you're getting that picture already, it's not just for you, but it's for that next generation in your life. Hopefully there's some stones in your life already that your next generation that's in your family can start seeing some of these stones accumulate in your life. These stones were influential. Why were they influential? Because they showed God's faithfulness. Lamentations 3.23 says, Great is thy faithfulness. Hey, son, uh, these stones that you asked about, what do they show? What do they mean? I'll tell you what they mean. Uh, they mean the greatness and the goodness of God because you see there was a generation before you hey, that was over there in sin. It was over there in bondage. Hey, they were way over there. They didn't see no way out. Huh? Hey, but God brought them out by a mighty hand. Amen? And they're out here. We're here today. And these stones represent the goodness and the greatness of God. They were a picture of God's faithfulness. They were visible promises that were met by God and how God kept His Word. That's what these stones were. You can go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, he talks about how he brought them out that he might bring them in. He said he's going to bring them out, Brother Gene. You know what? He brought them out right now. He's trying, they're at the, standing at the bank of the Jordan and he's trying to bring them in. God's doing what He said He'll do. Amen. And that's what those stones right there are representing. Say, man, that stone right there, I remember a time when God did this. I got a stone in my life. I remember a time when God did this. I got another stone in my life. Hey, I remember when God did this and he placed another stone in his life. Hey, what's them stones in your life? Let me tell you. You understand? It's a time that opened up for conversation. It was a time that opened up for testimony. It was a time that they could brag on God and tell that next generation who God was. Visible promises met by God. Look at what God did and what God's doing. I like to, this verse been on my heart a little bit here lately, and it's 2 Timothy over there. And 2 Timothy, verse number, uh, sorry, chapter number 1. I want to read that because I... 2 Timothy, chapter number one, uh, 1. Don't turn there, I'll just read it right real quick. It says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. This is what Paul's saying to Timothy. He said, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded uh, that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In other words, Paul right here, he's trying to tell Timothy, he said, I know whom I have believed. He said, I am persuaded. Hey, Dad, what means these stones? He's saying right here that I am persuaded. I can go back to these stones and say I'm persuaded. Hey, that God did what he said he's going to do. Amen. 
That word persuaded means fully convinced. Paul was fully convinced, amen. And there should be some stones in your life here to tell you that this morning, church, that you need to be fully convinced that God's able to meet your needs. Visible promises of God. These stones are visible. These stones are valuable. What did that do? What's that, what's that doing when he's asking that? That's making that dad do what? Remember. Remember. You know, there's a, there, you know mem- memory is an awful, powerful thing, is it not? Memory can do so much for us, can it not? The power of memory. We notice that, I mean, you ever been going down the road and you hear a song and your mind shoots, what, 20 years back, back in time uh, from a place and a time. You can be in a, you can be in a, a department store or convenient at the grocery store and some song come over the intercom and you can remember something in your life, be it good or bad, amen? Be it good or bad. You're like, get out of my head. Because they usually don't play gospel music at the store, do they? My mom, when I was a kid, she used to embarrass me to no end. It was, oh, God. I'm, I'm having a memory right now. Amen. <laughs> They'd be playing something crazy, some racket, and she would, uh, she didn't have much sense at the time. If she's watching, love you, Mom. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> and she would, I wish they'd turn that racket off. I wish they would stop playing that. And it was just like, you're a kid, you're wanting to crawl under the clothes. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they, the people at that store, they don't care what some crazy old lady's saying. You know what I'm saying? They probably come on, knowing me, if I was them, I'd have went over and cranked it up a little louder. But I'm just a little spiteful. I'm talking about that power of memory, a song. I'm talking about a name, a place. You can go through a place or something like that, and you ride by a place and say, hey, I remember what I did there. I remember when I was there. Hey, you understand what I'm saying? Not only that, uh, I believe just even a smell. You ever like, uh, a lot of times when uh, we'll cook, uh, well, Chrissy will put a, um, a roast or something in the crock pot on Sundays because Sundays are normally a very busy day. And so that way when we get out of service, we just got something there. And so, but sometimes you'll pull up in the garage and you can smell it like, Coming out of the house. It's good. You know what I'm saying? You, can, you don't smell it. Man, it's going to be good. We, we, we call it, we say good suppers. We, you know, we're Southern. We don't have anything in the right dialect. I'm not teaching my kids too good there. But anyways. And, and, and they'll say it. This is funny because they'll, they'll, they'll be fighting at the door. They'll say, I want to be the first one to smell the beef stew. I mean, hey, you know, my kids don't have, I don't set high expectations for my kids. Man, they're just happy smelling food, you know. Now that I say that out loud, that does sound kind of bad. Amen. But the thing about it is with that, and when they walk in the door, and I'll tell them sometimes, Brother Terry, I say, y'all smell that? I say, it smells like home. I say, it smells like home. Because I want it when they get older and they get out of the house, that there's something to bring back to their memory, whatever it might be, that they'll say, that smells like home. It'll make them think of mom, it'll make them think of dad, it'll make them think of the times that we had together, Amen. Another thing that I'll tell my girls is I'll tell them I love them. I tell them I love them all the time. I'm talking about all the time. They probably get aggravated about it, but I tell them I love them. I love them. I love you. I love you. I'm talking about just, just all the time. Because why? I want them to remember that Dad loves them. I'm talking about that power of that memory because there's going to come a day and a time because I don't know if y'all realize it or not, but outside these walls right here, maybe even inside some of these walls right here, there's an attack on us. There's an attack on a child of God. There's the culture and society is wanting to rip your kids away from you. Uh, They're wanting to tear your family apart. Amen. Hey, but I'm here to tell you today, if I can just tell my girls, if I don't do anything in this life, that they know that mom and daddy loves them, that mom and daddy's for them. Hey, that when they get off and that we're not around and the devil sit here and say, nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. Hey, that I've said it so much and they're my 
mind and in their heart. Uh, when that devil tells them that, hey, guess what? Nobody loves you. Hey, they can call that devil a liar and say, hey, nobody might love me, but the Lord Jesus Christ loves me and my mom and daddy love me. Hey, so I'm not going to go that direction. I'm not going to go that route. Why? Hey, because it's a lie. It's a lie. I'm talking about the power of memory this morning. I'm talking about a stone stuck right there in their life. These stones were valuable. Even in the New Testament, Peter said, stir you up by way of remembrance. Sometimes we just need stirring up. Sometimes, Brother Gene, we forget the blessings of God. You, understand? you ever been in a meeting? It's dead, and I'm talking about all get out. I'm thinking, man, I've been in these meetings. Man, everybody's not saying nothing. Nobody's amening. Hey, the choir gets to singing, man. The Lord gets to moving, and everybody's looking around like, oh, what's going on? And what happens is you might be saved this morning, but you need to get stirred up. You've forgotten the blessings of God. You've forgotten how good God is to you. Y'all ladies or men, whoever y'all cook, you ever like go mixing up a cake or mixing up something other or whatever it is and you, and you walk off from it for a little while and you come back and that bowl's what? Just crusted up. Crusted up. I don't like pudding. You know why I don't like pudding? Because <laughs> that film, if you don't eat it right away, it's got that nasty old film on top of it. It's just gross. It just... But see, some of y'all just stir that right up in there. See, my mind doesn't work that way. I can't just stir that nasty back in there. I got to be like, y'all have all the pudding you want. <laughs> That's in there somewhere, Brother Leo, right there. It's in there. I've done, one of the ones that like pudding and turn me off. But what, what I'm trying to say is that stuff, if, if you don't keep active, we become, we start solidifying. We start getting all crusty and we start getting, well, ah, that's not appealing anymore. And that's the same thing when we sit down on God and forget God uh, has done for us. And we get not appealing, not just to ourselves, not appealing to God. You understand what I'm saying? But not appealing to each other. Hey, we're trying to draw people to Christ. And man, we're over here all settled and solidified. You understand what I'm saying? Man, ain't nothing. I don't want that. Peter said, I stir you up by way of remembrance. Hey, and sometimes you can sit down and just start thinking about, just start thinking about the blessings of God, the goodness of God, where God's brought you from. Say, hey, I used to be way back there. Hey, I used to be lost. Hey, I used to be in sin. And that's what this generation did. Hey, they used to be in Egypt. They used to be in bondage. Hey, they used to be in the wilderness. But Joshua's saying, you just got to cross over. And he op- God opened up the way, that impossible way to them, and allowed them to pick up some stones and sit them on the other side. That when they come and look at that, they can say, I remember what God did. I remember what God done. Talk about stacking stones this morning. Not only that, these stones were visible promises of God and they were valuable stones, but there's also, we see these stones, they talk about the faithfulness of God, but they also talk about the favor of God. Deuteronomy, back over there in Deuteronomy, chapter number 6, he said, Talked about those commandments and for sake of time, I'm not going to read that this morning. Uh, but talked about talking to your kids about these statues and about these precepts of God. It said, it said, write them on you. It said, wear them between your eyes. Write them on your hands. Write them on the doorpost of your house, lest you forget. Amen. Lest you forget. And it said, as you wake up, as you go, and you, uh, uh, in the day, talk to them about your kids. As you go to bed, talk to them about your kids. Hey, the principles and the precepts of God. Why is that? Hey, because of the fact that we're easy, we're prone to forget. Are we not? Now, 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 you don't have to just, when you wake up in the morning to your kids, say, bless God, recite, recite the Ten Commandments. Jesus died for you throughout the day. No, it ain't something like that. That's not what they're talking about. But what Moses gives in chapter number 6 is just an example of that daily life 
that daily walk of interweaving God in everything that you do. You understand? Just interweaving God. It don't have to be big. It don't have to be great. It don't have to be grandeur. But I'm here to tell you, as you raise them kids, and you got, and then sometimes you got them grandkids and things like that, just interweave the things of God and the goodness of God in your life. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to soon, it's going to help the Lord interweave those in their life. Talking about the favor. Chapter number 6 of Deuteronomy also says, Hey, I'm fixing to give you houses that you didn't build, vineyards that you didn't uh, 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 make, uh, all, of your, all of yards that you didn't make. He said, I'm giving you all these things. And I sit here and I was thinking about it. As them stones, they stack them stones, and they come by there, and that boy said, What mean these stones? I believe it talked about the favor of God in the sense of this is what God has given us. And I was talking about the favor of God, and why is that? Because, Brother Terry, you know what? Everybody else that come over there gathered around, their God wasn't doing those things. The other nations, Canaanites, Hivites, all them Jebusites and all them, they, they, didn't, they couldn't have a stack of stones and say, this is what God's done for us. Now, they had some images, but they couldn't name one thing, what their God's done for them. And isn't that how the world is with us? They say, we've got all this, we've got it all figured out. Well, name one thing the world's done for you. I told you I preach a lot at the jail. I can name a bunch of things the world's done for them guys. Not one thing. I've been... Thanks be to God, I've been in church a long time. Served God a long time. By the grace of God, served God a long time. Amen? I've never met anybody. I'm talking about a dear saint of God said, you know what, that was a bad decision for me to follow God all my life. You know what, I, I, I just wasted my life following the Lord and reading my Bible and praying. I just, you know, look back on life. Here I am, a 90-year-old man. I wish I did something else. I've not met one, Brother Ron. I've not, I've not met one single solitary. Well, maybe you have, but I hadn't. Hey, but I've met a whole lot of people, hey, this went down the road and said, hey, I really wish I'd have started serving God at a young age. I really wish I'd have given my whole life, my family's life, to serving God. I've met a lot of those folks. I'm talking about those stones that showed favor that God had on His people. It was a memorial of influence. I'm almost done right here. Almost. <laughs> Joshua chapter number 22. Joshua chapter number 22. Joshua chapter number 22, we see right here uh, that what's happened is some, this, some time has, has transpired and they've been fighting and they've, uh, they have driven out the Hittites and they've driven out the Girgashites and they've driven out the Jebusites and they've done all these things. And we've got right here in chapter number 22, you've got Reuben, uh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and I believe it's Gad, I believe that's what it is, uh, that they had come over, God had done, done give them their, their promised inheritance on the other side of Jordan. But Moses said, if we're going to give you this, that you're going to have to help your brethren. You're going to have to help your brethren. We go and cross over Jordan. You're going to have to come and fight with us. And so that's what they did. They come over the same time. Uh, the rest of those tribes crossed over Jordan. These two and a half tribes, they've crossed over Jordan. But now all the fighting's done. Uh, and he says, hey, y'all can go back and be with your family is what it was is where we're at right here in chapter number 22. And so they come over there. They fought. Now it's time to go back. And we'll read it right here. Look at verse number 10. Well, I'm going to start at verse number, uh, number 4. It says... And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get unto your tents and unto the land of your possession which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. 
He says, but, but take diligent heed to the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God uh, and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. This was Joshua charging those, uh, those tribes as they went over. He said, don't forget, you need to love God with all your heart and all your soul. You need to keep those commandments. Don't forget. It's that memory again. Look at verse number 10. It says, and they came unto the borders of Jordan on the way back. It says, that are in the land of Canaan, and the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by Jordan, a great altar to see. I say these stones are inspirational. So they come over Jordan. They come back over Jordan. And they seen them stones right there that they, that they had right there. And what did they do? They said, we're going to build some, we're going we're to stack some of our own stones, Amen. We're going to put some of our own stones up there, amen? I like those stones. We're going to put some of our own stones right through there. But we'll see right here that in our reading, just a second. Uh, but Israel heard about this. Look at verse number 16. And it says, And thus saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this that ye have committed against the Lord God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, and that ye builded you an altar that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? Well, Phineas and the whole crowd heard it, brother. And they sit there and said, Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a memorial to our God. And you're going to put some stones there. No, we don't want you to take anything away from our God. Amen. We don't want, to put you, we want, we don't want you to resurrect anything that's going to take uh, the limelight, that's going to take the glory from God. See, these stones right here were inspirational in the fact that they, uh, they provoked this nation of Israel to fight. What were they saying? When they heard that these other two and a half tribes were stacking some stones, what were they saying? These stones are worth fighting for. We stacked them months ago, years ago. And we're not about to let somebody come through and take away that honor and the glory that God has given us. Church, there ought to be some stones in your life, in your personal life, in your family's life that are worth fighting for. Amen? God should have put some stuff in your home and in your heart that said, Hey, this ain't going to happen. You're not going to put something in front of me. I believe those two and a half tribes, what they thought, uh, the nation of Israel said, man, what if they build something bigger? What if they build something that blocks what our stones are? What if they move our stones? What if they knock our stones out of the way? We're not going to have this. So they got everybody. They got all that nation. And they started just riding down through there and said, we ain't going to let this happen. But I'm afraid today, so many times, even Christians in our culture today, they see that attack. And you start, I ain't got, if I had some of them big Lego blocks right now, I'd start building. You got to watch because the world, what they're going to do, they're going to stack some stuff. Stack some stuff. They're going to stack some stuff. And so those things, those stones that God's put in your life, the world wants to sit here and cover that up. So when what, what happens? When your children come by, they ain't going to see nothing to ask you about. They're going to put some stuff in your life, Brother Gene, that guess what? Your children ain't going to see that God put there. Hey, but the world wants to block off. The world wants to sit there and say, hey, I want to get the image of God, the memorial of God, out of your viewpoint uh, so your kids can't even see any of that. So they ain't going to ask anything. So what are they going to do? That next generation is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But what they want to do? Israel said, we ain't having that. I don't... <laughs> You, you realize they're the same nation, same tribe. They said, I don't care if you are our brethren. We're going to come through and we're going to take care of business. And I'll, I'll even say that. I'll even say this this morning. It might not be popular, but there might be even people in your own family that's trying to stack stuff in your life. 
that blocks your children from seeing who God is. I'm talking about your own family. I know you're supposed to say that, but hey, I'm here to tell you, Mom and Dad, you need to get a little bit of an attitude. You need to get a little bit about you. Hey, you say, I don't care who it is. I'm not going to let anybody or anyone or anything stand between my, uh, God and my kids. I'm not going to let anybody stand between God and my family. Amen. I don't care who it is. Because it's to their detriment. I say, these stones, they're worth fighting for. These stones... Man, nowadays, I mean, people are, you know, nowadays people are afraid to stack their stones too high. God, he told Israel to stack them up. I think they were stacked on one on top of the other so you could see them. How do we want to do it today? Well, I still love Jesus. I still love the Lord. I, I got some stones in my life that God's put there, some promises that God's kept and he's made for me and boys delivered me out of some stuff and God's given me this stone, but I'm going to lay them all flat. Y'all get it? Can you imagine 12 stones laid flat there on the side of Jordan? Not in a big heap, but they was laid flat, out, just out and about. What, what do you think them kids when they come by there and say, do you think they're going to say, what mean you these stones? They're going to say, that's just another rock. That's just another rock. What about it t- t- this morning, church? I mean, what, how does your kids think about how... how how prevalent is God in your life? Or is it just, it's just church? It's just God. It's just what mom and daddy do. You understand? The importance of how it was emphasized here. I'm saying these stones were inspirational. These stones right here were worth fighting for. But we're going to look right here in verse 24. I, I'm, I'm almost done right here. I'm almost done. We see right here in verse 24. And it says, this is what they said. They come, they rode out there and said, what are you doing stacking these stones? Why are you doing this? Man, I thought you were a part of us. I thought you loved God. I thought you see God do all these things. You know, Why are you doing this? They was asking those two and a half tribes. Look at verse number 24. And it says, and... If we have not rather done it for the fear of this thing, saying, In time to come, your children might speak unto our children, saying, What have ye to do with the Lord God of Israel? For the Lord hath made Jordan a border between us and you. Ye children of Reuben and ye children of Gad have no part in the Lord, so, your ch- so shall your children make our children cease from fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, Let us now prepare to build us an altar, not for burnt offering or for sacrifice, but that it may be a witness between us and you and our generations after us. They said, man, we got to riding back. And we seen those stacks of stones right there. And you know what? We said, man, that's for their children. And that's, for, that's to show the goodness of God to them. And we sure do like that. Man, we sure do like how that right there. We sure do like what that symbolizes. We sure do like what that means. We sure do like that memorial. Amen. And what he was saying right here, they were saying, we don't mean nothing bad about it. We weren't trying to block it. Uh, but because we've seen the blessings of God in your life and in our life, and we see, we can go back now and look at that monument and look at that. We say, we want one for ourselves. Amen. I'm saying these stones in your life are influential to people around you. Don't know all the stones in your life, Brother Terry, but there's probably some in there that some other people say, man, if Brother Terry did it, I can do it too. Brother Leo, just some of the things, just know a little bit about, just all you've been through and stuff like that. Hey, but God's allowed them stones in your life like that, and they say, hey, hey, Brother Leo's still serving God. Brother Leo's still loving God. Hey, Brother Leo didn't get out of church. Brother Leo's still going for God. Hey, if anything, you understand what I'm saying? If he can do it, look at the stone that God put up in his life. Hey, I'm just going to get me a stone, and I'm going to put it up, and every time I go by it and say, man, God did it for him, God can do it for me. I knew I was going to make my way down here. I didn't know when 
I remember one time at the church, it was work day. I'm trying to hurry, church. I really am. I remember it was work day. We had work day, and we was working around through there. And it was getting towards lunchtime. It was about 1130, and you know how it is. You know, on work day, everybody, well, I got stuff to do. And they start kind of hem-hawing around about 1130, and they kind of ease out. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know. And they start watching. You just, they kind of fade off the scene. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is. You ain't got to raise your hand if that's you. Don't incriminate yourself. But I was kind of doing a little bit of that myself. And I was like, man, I got some other stuff I got to do today. I just, we've been up here for about three or four hours. And, and so <clears throat> I started to, well, okay, you know, we got it all done. All right. We got Brother Leon. Leon White. We call him chief at the church. I don't know. Some of y'all might know Brother Leon. You know Brother Leon. Brother Leon, he's about 96 years old now, but this is a few years ago. And I think he was probably about 90 years old. And so I didn't even know Brother Leon was at work day. When you're 90 years old, you've about done all the work that you really honestly you need to do. I'll just go ahead and say that. You get a free pass, amen. I mean, you know, hey, you've done it all by now. I mean, you, you've lived to 90. That's work. That's good enough. Uh, but we see right here. And so everybody was kind of meandering around. And, everything, and, everything, and then all of a sudden, around the corner, here comes Brother Leon. He had black paint all over him. I didn't even know he'd been there that day. He had black paint all over and he was carrying an empty paint bucket and he'd been painting that iron railing fence that we got over there at the church. He'd been painting it all by himself. He wasn't over, he wasn't over talking. He wasn't over uh, fellowshipping. He was saying it was work day and we're going to get work done. Amen. And so he was over there painting and, and he run out of paint and he come over there and as everybody else was looking to get out, Brother Leon's looking to get more paint. Y'all got, and he talked to Carl like this. He, I don't, he said, he said, y'all got any more paint? We, we almost finished. We got it. And so, Grace, y'all something in my heart said, uh. I said, all right, I'm here to the end, amen. I said, because if a 90-year-old man can be asking for more paint, looking to keep on keeping on, there ain't no way I'm about to let a 90-year-old man shame me. I, I'm just saying, y'all say that's pride. It don't matter what it is, but I'm just, hey, work's got to get done. But you know what I'm saying? To me, that was a stone. And that happened years ago. But what I'm saying, that right there was a stone in my life uh, for work ethic. This 90-year-old man could have been at home with his feet up uh, watching westerns. It don't matter what it was. But no, he was at the house of God trying to do something for God and keep on going. No doubt he was probably hurting. No doubt he was probably in pain. Hey, see, but I'm just trying to get the job done. Amen. I'm talking about some stones. These stones, those stones to those two and a half tribes were inspirational. Those other tribes. There's some stones in your life that God's put in your life that could be inspirational to somebody else. And there's probably some stones in other people's life that should be inspirational to you. They were inspirational for the future. I don't know how y'all... Handle your invitation, Brother Terry. If y'all would. Musician to come play. She gets ready to play. I'll share this. We talked about stacking stones this morning. Some stones that God's put in your life. That's a memorial in your life. That's a memorial in your heart. For you to go back and remember how good God is. And what God's done. But the first stone that you need to stack in your life, that's going to need to be the chief cornerstone. Over there in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2, it refers to Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. As she begins to play, that, that cornerstone, they don't build, build buildings like that anymore, but that cornerstone was the very first block that they set in that building. The very first one. 
But if you didn't get that first one right, the whole building was messed up. If you get, get that cornerstone right, if that cornerstone was off this way or off that way, the whole building just was a mess. The whole building didn't line up, amen? Because that cornerstone, what it did, it made everything straight this way. And it made everything straight that way. And it made everything straight this way. And it made everything straight that way. That cornerstone's an important stone in your life, amen? That cornerstone in your life should be the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Because He's going to make everything else straight in your life. Hey, if you're building your life on anything else, everything's going to be crooked. And everything's going to have a chance to fall apart. You might not have ever been saved. You say, well, this guy's crazy. What's he talking about? first stone. I remember setting that stone down the Lord. The Lord set that stone in my life on August 5th, 1990. as an 11 year old boy. Regina, I never thought I'd be up here doing this. I just knew that, you know what? I didn't want to go to hell. Been listening to the good word of God and how, hey, if I, did, if I wasn't saved, I was on my way to hell. Hey, I, they, by the grace of God, He'll save me and He'll create a home for me in heaven that I didn't have to die and go to hell. Honestly, I didn't care nothing about heaven at that time. I just didn't want to go to hell. Lord, I accepted my Savior, and the Lord put that stone right there in my life, fitted into my life, and everything else is just measured by that. I'm gonna stack another stone in my life. Up, oh, don't measure up to that cornerstone. Let's throw it away. Put this in there. Well, it's just a little off. No, no, no. It's got to measure up to the cornerstone. Oh, here's a stone, brother Terry. He's put in there. Oh, that's a stone right there. I'd have to tell you, church, I got three stones right back there. I was thinking, there's no doubt those children of Israel, they went over there, fought all that fault. They fought that fight and they said, man, it's getting hard fighting these Canaanites. It's getting hard fighting these Jebusites. It's getting hard doing these things. You probably had a few stragglers. You probably had a few that just wasn't all on board and they probably started to walk back and cross back over Jordan and they probably got back over there and all of a sudden there's that those 12 stones standing there as they wanted to cross back over. Man, God brought us over this Jordan. I didn't, I didn't think we could do that. But we did. There's that stone and that stone and that stone for that tribe, that tribe, that tribe, and that tribe. I think I'll keep on. Went back and did it again. I got three stones right back there. You understand what I'm saying, Brother Ron, right here? That Hey, hey, even if I wanted to turn back and I say, man, I'm getting tired of this fight. I'm getting tired of this walk. I'm getting tired of this and tired of that. Man, the, the society and culture is bearing down on me and bearing down on me and bearing down on me. It's wanting, us, it's wanting us to cave to all the things of the world. And so we just might want to turn back. And I turn back and there's three stones. I turn back and there's three stones. What about it, Mama? What about it, Daddy? Hey, some stones God's put in your life. You understand what I'm saying? What about it, grandparents? Man, if mom and daddy don't want to do right, my goodness, you do right. That kid, them babies, they need some stones. If they can't find them where they're supposed to find them, man, you put some up. Allow God to put some up. Some of y'all this morning might just need to sit there and stack them back up. Take the dirt off of them and say, here they are again, amen. Because when you neglect them, they're going to build up dust. When you neglect them, things are going to pile up. The world's going to try to go over there and push them over, knock them over, amen. And so that way we can't see them and we can't notice them. And we'll walk right by them, Brother Gene. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. The devil will distract us. Hey, but if you keep those stones high in your life, you can't walk by them. That chief cornerstone, they called them, those Pharisees, they called Jesus Christ a stumbling stone. You know what they was doing? Jesus was just in their way. 
They kept falling all over them, falling all over them. But I'm here to tell you, if you allow God to stack stuff in your life and to build something in your life, it's going to be hard to fall all over it then. You're just going to have to look at it. That chief cornerstone was built. God's built something. Anybody ever tripped over a building? No, that's ridiculous. But that first spot, that first block, that first stone in that building, you trip over. Church, some of y'all I believe probably got a bunch of stones in your life that God's put there. You might just need to dust them off. You might just need to go back to them and say, Lord, I like that. That's a big old pillar right there. Lord, I... And, and, and just how tall that is, do you, you, you realize how tall that is when you get up to it back here? It doesn't look that bad when you stand up to it, how big it is. And that's, I, I, I ain't even the notes. God just helped me with this right here. We're, we're, we keep those promises and the blessings of God way out here. And they don't look that big. But when you get up close to them, boy, how could I overlook that? How could I take that for granted? I, I ain't going to stumble on that. It's just there. What about it this morning, church? As she begins to sing, you might just want to come thank God for the stones you put in your life. You might just want to ask God, Lord, I've let my stones fall down. Lord, help me to keep them stacked high for that next generation. Lord, help me to keep them stacked high that I might see them always. That even if I am get far from you, I can see them and I know where to go back to. Amen? Stacking stones. Allow God to stack some stones in your life this morning.